Turn with me to John chapter 17, verse 1. My mother, when she was a little girl, uh, knew that her grandmother had a certain time each day when she prayed, and nobody was to disturb her. Nobody was to go in the door and ask her a question. But that was her prayer time set aside for God. And my mother said she used to walk past that room sometimes, and she would hear her grandmother praying for her by name. She said it made a huge impact on her life and really meant a lot to her over the years to think about that. Um, Somebody is praying for you. Hopefully the people of God are praying for you. But Jesus is definitely praying for you. And what we're going to find here in this chapter today is that Jesus prayed, I believe possibly in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, these additional words along with the words that we are so familiar with, Father, let this cup pass for me, but not what I will, but what you will. Um, And so perhaps John woke up from his deep sleep quicker than the other disciples and heard this. Uh, But uh, either way, it's a record of Jesus himself praying for the disciples, but also for the church for all time. And so in this prayer, we see something of the heart of Jesus for us, but we also see an example that we can follow in praying for the people of God. And so uh, I believe each one of us needs to be involved in that. The Bible calls that intercessory prayer, praying for other people. Uh, Nothing wrong with praying for yourself, nothing wrong with worship and thanksgiving and, and focus to God, but we're also to pray for other people. And so the title of my message is Praying for God's People. We're going to talk about some things we should pray uh, when we pray for others. Because after all, we are the hands and feet of Jesus here, aren't we? Jesus said, you will do greater works than I've done. How's that so? Well, the coming of the Spirit is one way. But also, uh, through all of God's people, joining in the prayers of Christ, praying for the people of God, so that the glory of God can fall. If ever we needed to pray for God's people in our country today, we need to pray for God's people. I think that's the hope of our country, and the future of our country is with God's people. So uh, look with me at John chapter 17 and verse 1. Jesus spoke these things, looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you. For you gave him authority over all flesh, so that he may give eternal life to all you have given him. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. I have revealed your name to the men that you gave me from the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that all things you have given to me are from you. Because the words that you gave me, I have given them. They have received them and have known for certain that I came from you. They have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me because they are yours. Everything I have is yours, 
and everything you have is mine. I have been glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I was protecting them by your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them is lost, except the son of destruction, so that the scripture may be fulfilled. Now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world, so that they may have my joy completed in them. I have given them your word. The world hated them, because they are not of the world, as I am not of the world. I'm not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. I sanctify myself for them so that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their message. May they all be one, as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be one in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me. May they be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they be completely one so that the world may know that you have sent me. And I and have loved them as you have loved me, Father. I desire those you have given me to be with me where I am. They will see my glory, which you have given me, because you loved me before the world's foundation. Righteous Father, the world has not known you, however I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. I made your name known to them and will make it known, so that the love you have loved me with may be in them, and I may be in them. Praying for God's people. What should we pray for when we intercede or pray for others? Well, the first thing I want you to see is we need to pray for God's glory. We need to pray for God's glory. Now, in verse 1, it says, he says, glorify your son so that the son may glorify you. I don't know if you remember, but when we talked about the transfiguration and Jesus is on the mountain with the disciples, God says, I have glorified my name and I will glorify it. Uh, Jesus' life from beginning to end brought glory to God. Um, Everything he did, everything he said, uh, everywhere he went, Uh, All of the aspects of his life brought glory to God. His life was lived as an act of worship and dedication to God. And so God, uh, in this specific time of Jesus' life, as the cross looms before him, he says, glorify your name, God. Glorify your name through me. This is a prayer that we need to pray. Jesus says, I've given them your glory, and they have glorified me in believing that you sent me. And so Jesus says, I I want you to glorify yourself through me, but I also want you to glorify yourself through God's people. Well, how does that happen? Well, he says, Lord, keep them in your name. Verse 11, my translation says, protect them by your name, but You can also translate that, keep them in your name. What's that mean? Well, in your name, uh, in those days, a name was associated with a person's character. And so 
what that person was in character was represented by their name. And, and so to know someone's name was to know something about them, about their character and who they were. And so to be saying, keep them in your name, Lord, was a way of saying, Lord, help them to live in me. You remember the abide in me and I in you and all of that? Keep them in me. Keep them in my name. Keep them in my character. Keep them in the way that I live. Uh, fill them with your spirit and live through them the life that they cannot live themselves. Keep them in my name. I'm convinced that if we're kept in his name, we'll bring glory to God. Uh, every, and what we say and what we do and how we love people and, and all of these things will bring glory to God. This is something we're to pray for. Um, there are many ways throughout the Gospel of John it says that he brings glory to them but, uh, and, and that they are to bring glory to God. Uh, but I think just having this general idea that my life is to be lived to bring glory and honor to the God who made me uh, gets to the idea of what we're praying for. Um, when, I, when I went to First Baptist Goreville as a minister of music and youth, um, my pastor there, his name's Ron Ferguson, he told me, he said, Roger, your job is to make me look good. <laughs> your job is to make me look good. And he told me that more than once on different occasions. I've laughed about that and thought about that many times. But you know, that is our job as Christians. Our job is to make God look good. To bring glory to him through the way that we live and how we love people and how we care about people and how we share with people. Um, it's all about him. My life is not ultimately about what I want, and neither is yours as a Christian. We're bought with a price. Our lives are about honoring, glorifying, and lifting up the name of Jesus in what we do and, and who we are in this life. <clears throat> He's talked a lot about fruit. In, in John chapter 15, you bear much fruit, and I believe part of that are people that are, that are being saved that he's talking about. But it's also the fruit of the Spirit. And Jesus said um, that the Spirit would come. Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Can I tell you, if God's people live with those fruits in their lives, they'll bring glory to God. Amen? So... Keep your sins confessed to God. Uh, ask for God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Ask for God to give you a heart of surrender to him so that uh, when you live this life, uh, the Holy Spirit can live this life through you and you can bring glory to God. And then pray for the glory of God in your life. Pray for the glory of God in your family. Pray for the glory of God in your church. Pray for the glory of God in in this nation and around the world. Um, <clears throat> one thing we're going to do when we get to heaven, the Bible says every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We're going to be about glorifying God when we get to heaven. And what we do and what we say and in our songs of worship and in our fellowship and all of those things it's all about his glory. And so we need to pray that God will help us glorify him. And you know what I believe will happen as we glorify him? 
I know this will have power in prayer because he says that if you pray for the glory of God, that he'll give you the request you've asked. Uh, also, I believe God will honor us as a people. You say, well, why is that? Because the Bible says, him who honors me, him will I honor. And when you glorify God, you're honoring him. Honor God. Glorify God in the decisions that you make. Well, not everybody else is making this decision, but this is what God wants me to do. Make that decision. Why? Because as you honor God, he will honor you. You honor God in your family relationships, in your your choices. You honor God in your dating relationships. You honor God in your business interactions, in every area of life. And as you honor God and glorify him, he will honor you. Um, So we need to pray for God's glory in our personal lives. Let Jesus be glorified through my life. You know, I think you can only truly have this attitude and desire for God's glory when you understand God's grace. I can remember sitting in church, having all the songs memorized because my, my, I was brought to church when I was in the bed babies, okay? So, I mean, I, I grew up and I learned songs and I, all these things. Had the songs memorized, was singing the songs, but meant nothing to me. But through a course of events in my life and um, just realizing the emptiness of a life without God. I was so empty. And I was so filled with guilt. And when I came to Jesus Christ, and and finally I surrendered my heart to him, and I, I put my trust in him, it's like God took his divine detergent and he cleaned my heart. I'm not perfect, but I'm going to tell you something. My guilt and my sin has been paid for by the blood of Jesus. It's gone. And I have a relationship with him that's not based on my performance. It's based on Christ's performance. Christ lived the perfect life in my place that I could not live. So that I could have access to God in prayer. So that I could be loved by God unconditionally. So that I could have all of God's goodness and riches and and blessing poured out upon my life. Spiritually, emotionally, yes, financially sometimes here in this age, but definitely when Jesus comes, all of these these things are are mine. I've been adopted into God's family. I want to tell you something, that ought to get you excited. And what I discovered is when I began to, when I truly understood God's grace, it changed everything. Because I recognized his great goodness and love for me. And now, of course, he also changed me within. But now, when I would sing, music meant something to me because I was singing in gratefulness to the one who'd done so much for me. So, pray for God's glory in your life and in, in our church. Secondly, pray for God's protection. Look at verse 15. I'm not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Pray for God's protection. 
Pray for God's protection for yourself. Pray for God's protection for your family. Pray for God's protection for your church. I, I was having a conversation with somebody uh, this morning, and, and we were talking about the spiritual warfare going on in our lives. I want to tell you something. The devil hates your guts if you're a child of God. He wants to destroy you. But the good news is, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen? But we need to pray for his protection. Why? Well, first of all, Jesus did. And if Jesus said we need to pray for protection for the church, we need to pray for protection for the church. Amen? The devil wants gossip to destroy the church. He wants fighting between members of the church. He wants uh, immorality to destroy the church. He wants to come against us in our families, in our personal life, in our job, at school, wherever it is. He wants to come against us. Why? Because if he can disrupt the work of God here, God's kingdom will not go forward in the way that it needs to go forward. So we need to pray for God's protection. Pray for your kids, or if you've got grandkids, pray for your grandkids. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. There's an assault on the morality and the thinking of our children and our young people as never before in our country today. We need to pray for their protection intellectually, spiritually, emotionally. And by the way, there's going to be a lot of people that will tear them down with their words and the way they treat them. We need to be people who build them up. Amen? I, I believe that with all my heart. Praise God, Jesus didn't say, well, Roger, you made your bed, now I'll lie in it. No, Jesus said, rise, take up your bed and walk. <laughs> Amen? Jesus, Jesus healed me and restored me. Um, this is what we need to do for each other. Uh, pray for God's protection. And let me, t- let me just say this. If God burdens you for the church, have your ear open to that. Because I think there are some times where God will put somebody, an individual, on your heart. He'll put maybe a family on your heart. He'll put the church as a whole on your heart. And if he gives you a burden, that means he wants you to pray for it. Um, my pastor used to say, people come up and say, I have a burden for this ministry to be started. And pastor, I think you ought to do it. He'd say, well, if God gave you the burden, he wants you to do it. Uh, but if God's given you a burden to pray, make sure that you are open to pray and, and, and lift those things up to him and ask the Holy Spirit to pray through you and guide you in your prayer. So important. Pray for God's protection. So what should we pray for? God's glory, God's protection. Thirdly, God's holiness. And what I mean by that is God's holiness in us. What is it to me to be holy or to be sanctified? Same word, same, same idea. It means to be set apart, to be like God. Now, you and I are not God, okay? But we are given the Holy Spirit to live within us to help us be more like Christ. And so we need to pray for that to increase in our lives. None of us are perfect. Somebody once said, the closer you get to the light, the more dirt you see. Um, And and you'll find that as you grow in your Christian walk, you begin to see other things in your life uh, that you need to deal with. And so uh, confess those things to God. But pray for God's holiness in your life. Pray that God would sanctify you. Sanctification works with two, two people involved. One is God, 
God sanctifies us. It's a supernatural work. But the other part is us, and that is having a willingness to cooperate with the sanctifying process. Um, God doesn't twist our arm. He's a gentleman. If you, don't want to be, if you don't want to grow in your walk with God, he's not going to force you to do so. But uh, if you do, what you're going to find is you're going to enjoy the joy of the Lord. He says, I've prayed these things. I've said these things aloud so, you, so my joy can be complete in you. What you're going to find is you grow closer to him, you'll find that you're walking more in his joy. Christianity is about having the abundant life that comes down as a gift from God and to walk in that and to enjoy him and his presence. That comes through holiness. There's a psalm in, in, in the Old Testament that says, who will ascend to the hill of the Lord? And they're, they're talking about, uh, in Judaism, the hill of the Lord was where the temple was, where God's presence was. Who will ascend to the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Clean hands and a pure heart. None of us have clean hands and a pure heart without Jesus. But when you are saved by the blood of Jesus, he sanctifies you at that moment. He makes you holy. He clothes you with the righteousness of Christ. But then there's also a process that begins of becoming more like Christ. And the Bible calls that sanctification as well. Uh, So that you grow more and more to look like Jesus. This is holiness. And this is what we need to pray for. Um, As we are holy, what we're going to find, again, power in prayer. We're going to find, why? Because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Amen? Amen? Holiness will find an increased closeness to God. Can you imagine what it must have been like for Jesus to pray to the Father? The intimacy there must have been. The sweetness there must have been in that fellowship. I don't even think we can completely understand it because, yes, we enjoy a measure of that as Christians, but but Jesus had no sin. He had complete, unhindered fellowship with God. Even Peter, later on, speaking of his relationship with God, says we are experiencing joy unspeakable and full of glory. Paul says it this way. He says you, you bring your prayers to God and, you, and your anxieties to him and, and you thank him for the good things he's done and the peace of God that passes understanding shall guard or keep your hearts and minds In Christ Jesus. So there's this peace that comes also through holiness. Um, So this is something that should be greatly prized by us. It's not something that's preached a lot about, but it's something that's very important. You will be holy, Peter says, for I am holy. He's quoting God. You will be holy, for I am holy. Set apart. Sometimes my kids would come and say, can we do such and so? And we'd say, no. And uh, they say, well, why not? So-and-so does it. And, you know, the normal parental response, well, if so-and-so jumped off a cliff, would you? Or jumped off a bridge, would you? You know, uh, we're wanting our kids to be set apart, right? 
in the sense that we don't want them going down maybe a path that would be harmful to them or a path that would, would lead them into temptation that would be something they couldn't handle. So we, we try to, to set up uh, a situation that will be helpful to them. Um, holiness is about God doing what's best for us. And in, in so doing, allowing us to bring glory to him. So pray for God's holiness. Uh, pray for that in your kids. Pray for that in your family. Pray for that in our church. So what should we pray for? God's glory, God's protection, God's holiness. Next, God's unity. God's unity. Go to verse 21. May they be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. In other words, may their unity, their oneness with each other as a church be so great that it's like the unity between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They have perfect unity. There's not a disagreement in the Trinity. Why? Because they all have the same heart, the same purpose. The one true God. Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus said, I'm sending the Spirit to you, so I'm coming to you. Why? Because if you, if you look at one, you see the other. They're perfectly identical in every way, in their heart, their desire, their purpose. In every way, completely one. That's God's desire for the church. You say, well, how could that possibly ever happen? Somebody once said, five pianos tuned to the same tuning point, their tuning fork will be in tune with each other. When we're one and in tune with Christ, we'll be one with each other. This is not a oneness that is accomplished through intimidation or manipulation. I can remember somebody saying to me one time, I disagreed with, with something that they wanted to do, and he said, well, we're called to unity, so you need to do what I'm asking you to do. And I said, no, I don't. <laughs> Why? Because we're called to be unified to him, not unified to Roger, not unified to somebody else, no, unified to him. And when we're unified to him, we'll be unified to each other. We need to pray for the unity in the body of Christ. Nothing will quench the Holy Spirit of God quicker than disunity in the church. And it happens so easily. Somebody's feelings are hurt. Somebody shares a word. This is just between you and me. They share. That person shares. And those people share. And before long, you've got parties who are against each other in the church. Sometimes that division can be so deep, it continues for decades. Uh, praise God, he can heal that disunity. But oh, the work that could have been done for Christ in the meantime that was missed because the Spirit of God's quenched. Pray for unity. Pray for that in your family. Pray for that, um, that you will be unified individually with God and his purposes for your life. Sometimes I thought, boy, God, I'm doing your will, and I find out it's my will, not his. And God shows me that. Make sure you're unified to him. So pray for unity. Pray for God's glory, God's protection, God's holiness, God's unity, and finally God's place. This one I love. Verse 24. Father, I desire those you have given me to be with me. 
where I am. Well, let, me, let me apply this, first of all, to right now. One, one thing God wants us to be is he wants us to be where he is in fellowship with him. Abide in me and I in you, right? God wants us to be in fellowship with him. That's what the cross is about. It's about reconciling us to God. It's about restoring relationship. Um, God's desire, think about this for a second. This will charge you up. God wants to be with you. Think about that for a moment. The God that created the universe. The God that told the oceans how far they could go. The God who created human beings and designed their DNA and and all of these things. The God who did all of these things desires relationship with you. Isn't that an amazing thought? That they may be where I am. You see, in the Garden of, of Eden, Adam and Eve sinned against God. What happened? The fellowship was broken. They were cast out of the garden. No longer could they be in God's presence because sin had entered into the relationship. Nothing would ever be the same until a hill called Calvary. When Jesus died to take the penalty for our sins so that once again we could have fellowship with God. That's God's heart for you. Um, But then what Jesus is speaking about here is that ultimate time of fellowship where we go to heaven. We're in a new heaven, new earth, and a new Jerusalem, God's place. Uh, One scripture says, even so, Lord Jesus, quickly come. Quickly come. I want to tell you something. I'm ready for Jesus to come. I am ready to be clothed in my glorified body. Set this one aside. No more allergy medication. Amen? I am ready to be done with the old sin nature. I am ready to enter into a place where God is completely sovereign and in charge and and people are responding to him in the way that they should. I am ready to be in a place where there's no sorrow, no crying, no pain, no heartache, no bad news. Are you not ready? We need to pray for God's place. Pray for him to come quickly. And in the meantime, pray that we'll be in the right place spiritually so that we can walk with him. So praying for God's people. What should we pray for? God's glory, God's protection, God's holiness, God's unity, and God's place. Uh, As we do this, we will be praying the will of God. I know that because Jesus prayed this. And Jesus never prayed anything but what was the will of God. And as we pray according to his will, he'll hear us. Now... This scripture is given to, to uh, I think, help us to understand Jesus' heart for us, uh, his heart for those who've been one to faith, but it's also given to us, I think, to follow his example. And so I'm just going to encourage you to commit to pray, but I'm also going to encourage you to commit to fast. Now, if you have health issues, some of you may have a health problem, you need to talk with your doctor before you do this, uh, but... Um, There's something about fasting and praying and drawing aside, going without food for the sake of seeking God's presence and his will in prayer that is powerful.
Do a Bible study on it. You'll see when God fasted, there's never been a time God didn't respond uh, except for when it was just an outward religious ceremony like in Isaiah 58. Uh, and, and God tells them, this is the reason I'm not answering this. But fasting done for the purpose of seeking God's heart will be responded to. Uh, I have placed on this, I see them here. I see them over there on the, the first pew to the side here. Uh, kind of a skeleton outline. And you'll find some additional information on there that I did not cover this morning in my message, but I just want to encourage you to pick up one of these things and take it with you as kind of a prayer guide. Not that you have to use it woodenly, but uh, as you uh, commit to fast, um, as, as just kind of going along, these, praying these different things for yourself, for your family, for, the, for our church, uh, for our country, the world, uh, so that God can be glorified. Um, also... I've got two sign-up sheets here, which basically all you got to do is put a check mark. You don't have to write your name down. We're not doing this to brag about what we're doing. Jesus said, do it secretly, and your Father will reward you openly. Amen? So, uh, but, but I just want to give you an opportunity to respond and, and commit and, and say, as, you know, God willing and as I'm able, I'm going to spend at least one meal without eating to seek God's face in prayer for this church. I'd like to challenge you to do a 24-hour. Um, if you've never done a 24-hour fast, that's what the Jewish people usually did. Um, stop eating at 5 p.m. in the evening and go to 5 p.m. in the evening the next evening. And, uh, and, and you could eat that supper. And spend those time, the time you'd normally spend eating, make sure you drink plenty of water, but spend that time seeking God's face in prayer. I'd encourage you also to make a list personally for some things you'd like to see God do in your life. Make, so, make a list about some things in your family and pray those things to God as well, but uh, especially uh, in, in lifting up these things for our church. All right, uh, here in a moment as we begin the invitation, uh, I'm going to give you an opportunity. The first verse I'd like to just ask, um, if, you, if you don't know Christ, in order to have that access in prayer, you need to, to be saved. You need a relationship with God. Christ died for your sin and rose again. And if you'll surrender to him and put your trust in him, he'll forgive your sin and give you eternal life and, and a relationship with him so you can pray. So if you'd like to make that decision, this first verse is for you. And uh, anyone else that God has touched, maybe about being more uh, dedicated in your, your prayer time with God, you come forward. But then at the second verse, I'm going to ask that uh, whoever wants to, to commit yourself to fast, I realize some of you won't be able to for health reasons. Others of you may have a special event. You know, if you want to do it, it doesn't have to be done this week if, you, if, you're, if you've got something scheduled. But, but I do, I'd ask that as God leads you, that you say yes to him. Lord, we want to seek your face in fasting and prayer for our church. We've got youth camp coming up, Bible school coming up, uh, the fair, and all of these other things. Wouldn't it be great to have the supernatural anointing and power of God upon these things as we reach out in our community? Uh, I, I just ask you to do that as God leads you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. And Lord, I just ask that you'd use us in prayer. And uh, Father, in our fasting, that we'd seek your face. Lord, I pray uh, that you'd bring a blessing to the hearts of each person that takes this time to, to spend special time seeking your face. God, uh, show us things in our lives that aren't pleasing to you so that we can reflect.